This is the Daily Dispatch podcast with your business correspondent, Ted Keenan. Today we're talking about insurance, the value of insurance and the wisdom of having it. Today we have joining us Kim Johnson from NFB, part of the Invest Group, started my career in insurance in 2008, but today I'm here in my role as Education Officer of the Insurance Institutes of the Border. Roger Williams, consultant at NFB Insurance Brokers, started my career in 1968 and have managed insurance broking firms and operations throughout the country. Masi, um, surname Jeannie. Um, started my career eight years ago. I'm currently the head of claims at Strata Insurance Brokers. Thank you all. Roger, short term is probably one of South Africa's biggest purchases from the private person and from companies, all the way from SMEs right up to the top companies. Is the industry holding up during the COVID-19 and the job losses? Thanks, Ted. I believe that the short-term industry has actually weathered the COVID storm relatively well due to mainly their advancements in their IT systems, which has allowed insurers and brokers to work remotely. And as a result, the industry as a whole has not had to resort to retrenching staff adhering to standard protocols. Brokers were able to meet with their clients Uh, during the strict lockdown on a team or Zoom meetings. So the continuity continued and we were able to provide our uh, technical advice to our clients. As the lockdown relaxed, brokers could be uh, able to go and see clients face-to-face if requested, but obviously once again adhering to the standard COVID protocols of wearing a mask, sanitising, etc. The... Threat of clients giving up their insurance, when budgets are tight and you've got no money, you've got to look around to see what's going to go. And short-term insurance might be the thing that does go. Marcy, what is your advice to people that are considering giving up their short-term insurance? Thanks, Ted. I wouldn't advise any client to cancel their own insurance um, because the actually ways of, if you maybe speak to your broker, we can advise you of ways to decrease or lower your premium. Well, see, that's probably really good news for people that are struggling. Do you find a lot of your clients have come to you and said, Marcy, we're in trouble. What do you suggest? Over the COVID-19 period, we had clients coming in asking for discounts and, and there was a way that we offered discount and, and especially insurers came on board offering 20% discounts on vehicles and sometimes we take the policy, put it out to the market and test the market and see if we can get a cheaper quotation for a client. So do you sit with the people and go through their portfolio? If there's something that's perhaps not that important in their portfolio, can you then advise them to say, look, consider taking this out. It's very expensive. Think about it. A lot of times we find that um, clients have old cell phones um, insured in their policies. And, and those um, type of things, clients, you advise clients, if you can afford to have this um, cell phone um, damaged and you can pay out of your own pocket, you might as well take on that risk yourself and self-insure the items, smaller items, 
Another thing is a client would have a three vehicles on the policy. What is the reason of you having three vehicle hires on the on each vehicle? So you can advise a client to remove at least one car hire in order to lower the premium. Kim, following on from what Marcy has said, what has been your experience of people coming to you to discuss insurance and ways of perhaps saving a bit of money? My advice, obviously we've had lots of clients coming in, but instead of having no insurance, insure for the catastrophic events, events that could cripple your business or financially ruin you. Don't insure items that you could replace or continue without. For example, a 20,000 rand cell phone. You could replace it with a phone under 1,000 rand, which would be your excess in any event, which might not be the latest phone on the market, but it would serve the purpose. Fire, business interruption and liability are all business insurance sections that I could say a business must have. If your buildings are owned, contents, even if a minimal amount, which would just serve as a buffer should something catastrophic happen, and at least third-party fire and theft cover for motor are the minimums that an individual should have. Any asset that you financed, you don't want to be left paying for something on higher purchase that you no longer have. And then with regards to financial assistance, speak to your broker. They'll be able to guide you and offer the best advice suited to you as each person has individual needs when it comes to insurance. They'll tailor your requirements and affordability to the best insurance for you. Okay, thanks very much for that, Kim. Roger, again, you you are probably the doyen of the short-term insurance field in East London. I've recently heard about new methods of stopping falsifying claims and that sort of thing. Apparently technologies got very involved in this and the insurance companies are talking to each other. What's your experience on this? Yeah, thanks, Ted. Insurance fraud's always been an issue I mean, since I started work back in the, in the 70s, 60s, should I say, and it's, it's increased as people have become more desperate for money as the economy struggles. Considering this, insurers have invested heavily in their fraud detection and prevention mechanisms. Insurance have fraud forensics department which make use of various screening process when dealing with claims. Examples of these would be layered voice analysis tests. Deception is picked up in the change of pictures in the telephone call, which is done to vet claims. If any abnormalities are picked up during this process, a forensic investigation will be recommended for the claim. There is a non-profit organisation called the Insurance Crime Bureau that investigates and fights insurance crime and fraud. This is achieved by bringing together the collective resources of insurers, law enforcement agencies and other stakeholders to facilitate the detection, prevention and mitigation of insurance claims. Technology has enabled the sharing of information and data across the industry and this has assisted in identifying and curbing cross-carrier and syndicated fraud. Roger, the issues of fraud with insurance are not child's play. If you fraudulently claim, you could quite easily be facing a prison sentence. Well, certainly a, a prison sentence or a hefty fine. And what's furthermore, you would not be able to get insurance anywhere in the market. So you'd have to be your own insurer, so... It's not worth having. And then if you want to get credit, etc., that's going to be show up against you. Thanks, Roger. Kim, you know quite a lot about SASRIA. 
the talk is that claims might be in the region of 15 billion rand. It's a massive amount. And the head of Sassaria was recently on radio saying that they will have the funds. And as Roger pointed out recently, it's not so much they will have the funds or government will have the funds, but as taxpayers of South Africans, we will have the funds. What are your feelings around this? We were very fortunate that this didn't spill over to us here in the Eastern Cape, even though we do have some clients who have branches that were affected by this. Um, the public and the insurance industry didn't anticipate an event of this magnitude. The influx of the claims has obviously created a delay in processing. However, SASRIA have mandated insurers to settle claims up to a million rand, and now very recently, mid-September, increased the mandate to five million. Considering the magnitude of this event, it has been well handled by SASRIA and they can be commended. Due to the magnitude of this event and losses, most recent claim stats registered were close to a billion, so I'm sure those others will still trail in. Um, so that's only registered claims now that I'm speaking about. SASRIA has been forced to increase their premiums on certain classes of business to ensure their sustainability in the long term. This premium increase is effective from the 1st of January 2022. The classes of business with the highest increases are commercial fire risks with a rate increase of around 67%. This is not for office type risks, more manufacturing and the likes, and your LDVs and heavy commercial vehicles with a rate increase of over 1,750%. So to put this into context, if you're currently paying 54 Rand 47 VAT exclusive per annum for a heavy commercial vehicle valued at a million Rand, once the increase is implemented, you'll be paying 3,450 Rand 50 per annum for the same vehicle. That's exclusive. Sazria cover has always been affordable, and clients have included the cover on the insurance policies without batting an eyelid. The premium increase set to be implemented from 1 January is going to force everyone to relook at their policies, and commercial Sazria cover will become a calculated decision based on affordability. Those numbers are staggering. Is it essential to have Sassaria cover? Is it a, a non-optional? Because a company with 100 vehicles are going to find themselves paying an extra, how much, 30,000, 300,000 or whatever. It's a, it's a shocking number. No, they are. they they absolutely exorbitant figures. Um, but Sassaria, like normal insurance, it's a must. Unfortunately, the country that we live in, with strikes and riots happening almost on a daily basis, this is something that we have to... I'd, I would say, very often, SASRIA is more important in South Africa than your normal insurance, because the, the likelihood of a SASRIA event happening and your vehicle, as an example, being a total loss with a riot is so much higher than it being a total loss with in your garage being parked. Ted, if I can add to uh, what's been said now... Um, one must bear in mind if you take a bond with a building society or financial um, assistance, they will insist that you have SASRIA before comprehensive cover. Same with a vehicle. So yes, it's still going to be there, and it's still going to—it's going to change the face of um, SASRIA or riot cover in this country. You gave us some excellent numbers of the um, increases. Have you had discussions with clients on this or people phoning you to say, we, we're panicking about this? 
Not as yet. Um, we've only recently received the, the increased amounts, so we know that they were going to increase only recently, as I say, that we were told what these amounts are. So it's not everybody is affected from the 1st of January. So from the 1st of January, it will be all new business that will be affected by this, and then every policy at renewal. So when their policy comes to term, at their renewal discussion, this will be discussed with them, with the new values, and a calculated decision will be made at that point as to whether they would like to continue with SASRIA based purely on affordability. If we move from SASRIA to ordinary insurance policies, have you calculated, have you thought about what this is likely to mean to the man in the street, the riots, etc. So these riots can be devastating. I mean, we, we saw what happened in KZN, that unrest had people sitting without jobs, um, job losses, all sorts. And the SASRIA cover is going to help those companies that had the SASRIA cover, going to help them rebuild. Those jobs will become available again. If they had business interruption cover, those salaries will be paid in the interim um, so it's, SASRIA cover is an absolute must. So yes, there's a big implication for the man on the streets, but without that SASRIA cover, those, those, the whole economy on that side would collapse. Roger, your clients, will they be suffering from ordinary short-term increases? Interestingly enough, the last year, the rate increases have actually been pretty minimal. I think that's the people, the insurers have obviously felt sorry for, for the clients going through the COVID period. But yes, I would suggest that they will see some uh, rate increases when reinsurance uh, contracts are renewed, which is normally on the first for the 1st of January. So yes, we'll probably see some substantial increases. But just to go on to what Kim was talking about uh, on the SASRIA side, one must remember that SASRIA is a quasi-government organisation. So you can't buy riot, the same riot under your own policy unless you've got an overseas contact. But it, again, that's quite a hell of expensive. I was reading a policy, or a quote the other day, for an operation in Mozambique, and it was horrific what they were asking. It was probably five times more than the underlying policy. Marcy, there's an old trend where private clients would bolt, effectively, if that's the word, insurance onto their assurance, as in short-term cover onto your life cover. Um, firstly, could you tell us what is the difference between insurance and assurance? Thank you, Ted. Um, assurance refers to financial coverage that provides remuneration on an event that is certain to happen. However, short-term insurance refers to cover over a limited time, whereas assurance, the main difference, applies to persistence cover, um, for example, life cover, or until retirement. We're sure that the event is going to happen. You're going, definitely going to retire. You're definitely going to die one day, so you need to prepare for that. Are clients coming to you to talk specifically about short term? Um, I hear in the in the olden days I wasn't there. Um, they used to when when you're buying a house, 
they would actually force you to buy their own product in-house. That is not, you know, um, you're buying a house, but they will sell you a long-term product together with a short-term product. So that has stuck with a lot of clients, but we get a, a small percentage of those clients um, getting that confusion now. Um, it was initially called um, cohesive selling. That's not allowed um, anymore. The legislation is there, and there are a lot of products in the market, um, a buffet of products where clients can choose according to whatever they want, tailor-made products to meet certain needs of clients. The upgrading, if that's a correct word, of the people that sell both short-term and long-term insurance. Do you have to do a lot of courses, etc.? Do you write exams to go into the industry? Definitely, definitely. The legislation um, requires to, to, to have um, certain um, um, requirements in order for you to sell. One of them would be experience, um, um, qualification. I also am qualified. Um, I've got a BCom in financial planning um, from NMMU. You also have experience that counts for something. And you also do courses. It's called uh, continuous professional development every year. You need to have certain points in order for you to be allowed to advise clients on certain products. To avoid overnight advisors that would give actually incorrect advice to, to, to clients. You mentioned a very interesting stat when we were chatting earlier before we started the recording. And that was that of every 100 vehicles on the road, only 30 are insured. Do you think that stat is going to change? Um, to, be, to be honest, Ted, the 30% is, is only, if it does go up, it would go up maybe by 5%. The 70% you would say they can't afford insurance. So probably what we need is, is actually as professionals or insurance companies come up with products that are suitable to the lower income markets that they can come into the industry. And obviously the more people you have, uh, the better. That's interesting because it is apparently a fact that insurance is centered around the big cities. So the closer you are to the center of a big city, the, the more likely it will be that you have insurance. Are the products that you're talking about designed to spread the influence of insurance out towards the villages and the out-of-town areas? You know what? Insurance, even if you're in the villages, you're exposed to the same risk as someone else inside the city. So it doesn't matter um, where you are, the same risk applies to everyone. Let's end what is a very serious subject and can be a very sad subject with something on a lighter note. Marcy? How many actuaries would it take to change one light bulb? <laughs> okay, how many? It depends on how many it took last year. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the story behind this is the way you, you, you measure your risk yeah. depends on your history. history. Driving history, yeah. credit record, you can't compare yourself to your neighbor driving the same vehicle with the same amount of years. Insurance goes deeper than that. They look into your credit history as well, how you conduct your, your financial affairs. Thanks again for all being with us. Bye-bye.